<laughs> Dude, it's really creepy. They do like they do like ASMR uh, on Twitch, and it's just like girls licking microphones. Yeah, and that okay. So like weirdly enough, that I kind of get. But the ones that I <laughs> Wait, what do you get about like, it? Like the appeal. Like okay, certain sure. people would be into listening to an attractive girl lick a microphone or something. But like the ones I don't <laughs> get are the ones that I've come across that are like ASMR. Your parents are fighting. It's 2008, and there's like a, you know what I mean. You're you're 10 feet away to the left, and there's a, you know. So what it's I mean? like, like someone like pretending like parents are fighting outside just, of a door. Bizarrely, not necessarily about parents fighting, <laughs> but just bizarrely specific situations in which people decide they want this audio profile and none other. Like, All right, this this might be uh, <laughs> I, this might be entertaining content, but I think we're way off topic. Oh no, yeah, we can actually do. You know, so let's talk about stocks. Sure. What's up, Luke? What do you tell tell these people who you are? What your what your deal is? Uh, most people out there probably already know because I'm sure you've all seen my podcast. You're before. like super famous. <laughs> so I've heard. Uh, hence the reason I'm here again. Uh, hi, my name is Luke Sweeney. I'm a editor here at Angel Publishing, mostly focused on the tech and energy uh, sides of things, which if you've been paying attention to the news, are pretty hot sectors. Is tech, right I feel like tech is, it's hot because it's fucking on fire. That, it's I, crashing and burning. That, exactly, yeah. And it, then ener- energy. Hot is not always a good thing. Energy is hot because it is actually, like, energy's been doing really well this year. Yeah. Yes, definitely, definitely, for sure. So uh, let's talk about uh, imperial metals or uh, rare earth elements. Are, are those the same thing? Is that just, like, a marketing, like, term that you guys are using to, to get people more excited about metals that ger- hey now. are generally some more boring? I resent I resent that assumption, but essentially, yes. Okay. Um, what are they? They're, so they're rare earth elements. Uh, there are quite a few of them, uh, neodymium, ytterbium, and a few other ones that are very difficult to pronounce. If you have a periodic table handy, you can, uh, can check them out for yourself. But they're produced in very low quantities across the globe, but they're incredibly valuable, especially now. Um, it was another one of those things that, uh, you know, that China dominates in terms of, like, resource control. Yeah. Um, but that's given China and President Xi a little bit too much power. Uh, so the world is kind of rejecting, you know. China's got us by the balls and we're trying to release their grip. You know, your word's not mine, but perfect. Perfectly said. Um, you know, Do you know what percentage of the, the rare earths that they control? Something above 60%. Yeah. Uh, it changes depending on what news outlet you're asking and what, you know, there's they, – they base it off of how much they're mining, which China mines a lot, uh, basic on how much they're refining, which China refines even more because all over the world you can find rare earth element deposits, but very few other places actually have the facilities and the capability to – produce them in a cost-effective way, which is, you know, that's that's an old story for China. China you know, they, that's that's the, the name of their game, essentially. Are there any of these metals that kind of, like, stand out as, like, a legitimate investment opportunity? Because one of the things that I have found with a lot of the rare earth metals is that they are often byproducts. Like, this is, like, the chance, this is, like, the case with cobalt. It's, like, 90, it's, like, 98% of the cobalt that's made is, like, a byproduct of, like, uh, like copper and nickel mines or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like you can't, it's hard to find like a legit investment that's a pure play on a, co- on a cobalt mine. And it's like these companies are more at the, like 
they're at the whims of the, the prices of copper and nickel more so than the price of cobalt because they're only like kind of like scraping it off of like they're like scraping pieces of it off. Um, are, are there any of these metals that like you mentioned uh, niobium? What what, you, what was the fucking ne- word of neo, that one? Neodymium. Neodymium. One, it, I mean, it's if of all the rare earth elements, that might be the one that the folks at home recognize because it's involved in in magnets. Okay. Um, you know, the strongest permanent magnet, you know, that's not an electromagnet uh, right now is neodymium based. Um, and they're used for just about everything. And is there, uh, a, is there a company that's around that could like, that mines that shit or? Um, there's, I mean, you know, there's, there's tons of companies, tons of industries. You're right. Uh, going back to what you said about how it's kind of like a byproduct. Um, but that's, you know, aside from things that are, you know, copper and gold and stuff where they're really going for one specific, very valuable metal, just about all mining operations kind of include a little bit of what they call a byproduct, especially if they're in a sure. an area that's rich in multiple different resources. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's not like you're, like, digging up, like, all of this, like, material and you're not going to get, like, right. something yeah. on the side. Yeah, you're digging up a whole bunch of dirt, and then, you know, in a lot of cases, like, especially with rare earths, um, they're kind of hard to separate. Yeah. Hence the reason that China, you know, China dumped tons of money into being the only one that can do this. And then, you know, why, why would I pay $100 per, you know, ounce of metal when China does it for 10, you know, that's the, that's the usual yeah. <laughs> price discrepancy between other, other suppliers and China. Um, but yeah, neo, neodymium especially, uh, is, is hands down the most critical of what, I mean, again, what I would consider the most critical of rare earth elements, because it's, it's somewhat difficult to produce. The process is kind of lengthy. Um, but it also is just in everything. You know, these magnets are used in electric motors, which are everywhere, you know, electric vehicles, industrial equipment, everything. Um, And then on the reverse end, you know, motors take electricity, turn it into motion. Turbines use magnets in the the opposite direction. They take motion and turn it into energy. So, you know, renewable energy, wind turbines, hydroelectric they all rely on you should see the magnets in hydroelectric dams they're probably about the size of these acoustic panels behind us but then taken out to you know huge sizes um and you know so again if you ask a local government hey are you interested in renewable energy and they say yes even if they don't know it or not they need these rare earth elements so on the supply side you're saying that most of that's currently in china we're trying to decouple from them a little bit um what are, are those mines going to be in the U.S. directly? Or are we more like, are we bringing it straight to our shores? Or are we good doing more of like a nearshoring thing where we're getting it from Canada? Because I know there's a lot of mines there. And um, the well, so that's that's kind of one of the interesting parts about rare earth elements is that they're they're kind of everywhere. You know, Australia has huge deposits. Yeah. The U.S. huge deposits, especially in Idaho um, and you know Midwest where there's plenty of area. You know, flat land for digging of resources. Um, uh, areas in the Middle East are looking to, you know, like, um, I just recently, I think, uh, companies in, in Kazakhstan are looking to potentially get some investment. I've always been wanting to invest in Kazakhstan. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's always, it's always that, a bit yeah. seemed like a place yeah, that. Yeah, especially ever since Borat. <laughs> uh, any companies stand out right now in term, in the rare earth element space that you're willing to, to talk about or is that something more that like you're it's uh so we're on the hush hush for the, well I, not necessarily on the hush hush but it's more of like an ongoing process uh it's a like i said it's kind of a, a young industry 
if you're looking at players that aren't Chinese based. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Um, this is something that we're incredibly active looking for in uh, energy investor is you know things like this. Oh, you know what? It's not energy investor that we're looking at. It's TAO. <laughs> is that in TAO? Yeah, that's what uh, I mean. I would figure that we'll, you would we'll cut that part. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but all right, look, let's move on to lithium recycling. Um, actually, you know what? You want to talk about like uh, human rights abuses first, because because I know that like a lot of a lot of the uh, there was I was I was doing a little bit of research on this uh, recently, and there was something like I think in 2021 there was like some I don't know some group that that is like like some watchdog, and they said that there were like 700 human rights abuses in China. And then, like a third of those that they found were in the mining industry, like per day. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Just it was, it was, it was. They a, count as one human rights abuse. Well, like, I also yeah. wonder about that. Like, is it just like someone filing a report? Is it someone like, like what? I mean, like, what's the number? What's the number in the U.S.? You know, like yeah. it's probably a lot of human human rights abuses here. Like, I would say, yeah. But, but I guess, I guess, in China, those human rights abuses don't uh, they don't make the news as much, and they don't translate into higher wages for the employees, yeah. essentially. Like, I guess if in America, if you catch a human rights abuse, there's going to be a whole bunch of talking about it. And then maybe that, you know, that that labor force will unionize or they'll get some attention from some human rights group. And then, you know, not that America is great with their human rights, but they certainly do we're, a better job. We're, we're a little China. bit better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You feel you could feel slightly China. better about investing in these in yeah. these companies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and just, you know, just to know that the transition is coming, you know, like uh, Biden has been spending absurd amounts of money to bring businesses just like this back to America, yeah. essentially, you know. And yeah, it makes sense. I mean, we're, we're obviously seeing this kind of like pretty great decoupling between East and West because uh, we just yeah, we are absolutely. kind of terrified of being codependent on, on China. I think kind of like the lockdowns during COVID kind of showed us how much yeah. That can just disrupt and destroy our economy. So it makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. I think it's a good thing that we're bringing things on shore. Um, sure. I don't. I don't know if deglobalization is necessarily a good thing long term, um, because obviously things get less efficient when you have less global trade. But it yeah, is definitely. It's. I guess it's more reliable. Yeah. It's de- no. You're right. That's a. It's. I think that's kind of one of the biggest. Uh, one of the biggest clashes of ideology right now is is the the era of globalization that essentially built the world that as we know it is that something we should continue dumping money in or is it kind of start are we hitting a are we hitting a point where we're we're seeing diminishing returns essentially yeah. and i think we've been taught a few a few lessons recently about putting all of your global global eggs in one ba- uh, one basket so like in the, well, in the energy market, Russia, that's the obvious, you know, anyone that's familiar with our publications has heard me harp on this for, for a month now. But, yeah. you know, Russia taught the world how dangerous it is to put all of your, all of your egg, like I said, all of your eggs in one basket, all of your, you know, some like Germany and all these European countries, now that Russian gas is off the table, they're scrambling, you know, they're importing huge amounts of natural gas from American producers and, you know, instead of efficiently putting it through a pipeline from a producer that's on your continent, they're liquefying it, cooling it down, and putting it on a boat and transferring it over. 
And Those boats look crazy too. It's, it's like they have these like big bubbles the big on them. Tanks and, on them. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 an interesting and you know and there's only going to be more and more development in that sector because. And you guys are looking at that right now too, right? Like like a couple of absolutely. a couple of American LNG companies that are just Definitely. crushing it. Yeah, for sure. All of, honestly, I mean, no, you know, not not all of them. However, yeah. it's you know one of those rising tides situations. Yeah. But. And that's kind of a at least like a mid to long term trend, right? Like oh, it's going to be around definitely. for a while because they well I, I doubt that Europe is going to go back to Russian gas anytime soon. It's pretty like it's got to take years to mend that kind of relationship even if Putin yeah. like t- today was like, "All right, the war is over. For we sure. want to be friends again." Everyone's going to be like, eh. "For sure." Well, and we don't, you know, again, Russia's econ- economy is not looking so hot right now. And the reason that they're still posting such, you know, good Result, you know, the reason essentially the country hasn't crumbled is because Gazprom, their state-controlled gas and oil company, is essentially propping up the entire country. You know, they're selling their oil and gas reserves that Europe won't take anymore to countries like India and China yeah. and North Korea at insanely, you know, overvalued prices, which of course their actions help contribute to in the first place. Sure. So. They wrecked the market, turned around, sold their gas at market prices that they essentially created, and now are limping along despite, you know, all the other sectors of their economy becoming sort of like a pariah. All right. I want to go back to the uh, the anti-globalist angle that we were talking about. Sure. Really, really important stuff, really big stuff happening go- that's, that's going on right now. Definitely. How do you feel about these Trump NFTs? <laughs> Yeah, you're, yeah, you're nice. Bullish, a, bullish or oh, bearish on Trump NFTs? Truly beautiful. Well, okay, so I, I did just, uh, I guess, like most most of us, I just saw that this morning. Yeah. You know, that was kind of a. a I I literally saw the headline. News. I don't know anything about it, but I just I thought oh, it was funny. Mike was telling us about about wonderful. it like five so, minutes before we started the podcast, and uh, yeah. I didn't realize that it was like a real. I thought it was like someone made a Trump NFT, but it was actually like he. Is he? Yo, he certainly is. No, you're right. I, that's like the most. Tr- that is such a Trump. That is so Trump. Yeah. Like to do no, that. No, it's 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 perfect. And the the most I, the most hilarious part is right before that I was watching a video that a performance artist made where he made a incredibly impressive deep fake of Morgan Freeman. I don't I, know if any yeah, of you yeah, guys yeah. saw that, but it was him. You know, recording himself talking, and right above him, matching his intonations and and facial movements. You know perfectly was Morgan Freeman repeating exactly what he said. And I don't know if that just got in my head because less than an hour later, I watched the video on the collecttrumpcards.com. If you guys saw his truth Oh, and you were thinking like, did, you were thinking like, shit, did somebody, I, I, and did someone fake this? Like, I, that, you know? I, I couldn't, I genuinely couldn't, it, there was something about maybe his voice. Like, I guess he was reading from a script and yeah. we all know he's not exactly the best script reader. He likes to go more off the cuff. So yeah. watching him read the script and be recorded, and there were obviously some sneaky cuts in there, I was like, is this a real thing? Yeah. Or is this just the funniest As far as I know, it's real, but I, I, I don't... No, you're right. Yeah. It definitely does appear to be real, or at the very least, you know, he's, he's backing it, but truly hilarious. Um, $99, he, he's touting them like baseball cards, which, of course, they are not. But that's, you know, the most relatable, sure. real-world, physical thing that he can relate to. Um, so, so, yes. All right, sorry. I, sorry. I meant no, that as I a side note. I, I thought it was so funny. Uh, look, I couldn't resist. Let's, let's, I had to. Let's get to lithium, <laughs> yeah, sure, uh, which we tried to get that like 10 minutes ago. Sure, but, sure, sure. Um, 
So lithium recycling uh, is something that you're bullish on. I guess there are some companies Absolutely. that are publicly traded that are doing some lithium recycling. Uh, I definitely find this pretty interesting because I know that I think it was the CEO of Piedmont Lithium who came out earlier this year. I think it was like in September. And he basically said, like, the world does not have enough lithium to meet the EV demand in the United States alone sure. yeah, by like 2035. Yeah, definitely. And like, I feel like a lot of, you know, when we were younger, I feel like it's becoming a little bit less like this now. But when we were younger, it's like very EVs were kind of proposed as like the future and it's green energy and they're and they're environmentally friendly. But the amount of like environmental destruction that happens from mining lithium and then the fact that like the less like the more of it, the, the higher the demand goes, the more that we have to mine, the more more land we're going to destroy. Obviously, recycling should be part of that equation if people are really kind of trying to pursue this renewable future. Definitely. So tell us about your thoughts on, I guess, lithium lithium recycling and maybe, uh, I don't know if you're willing to give any stock picks or point us in a direction where people can find those stock no, picks. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so yeah, lithium recycling for sure is is something that is is necessary. If, if the world doesn't realize that yet, then they haven't been paying attention to the numbers. But like you said, if we're purely going off of lithium as a single use, you know, use it, wait until it dies, throw it in the landfill type thing, you're right. We're, it's not even remotely sustainable. If anything, fossil fuels are more sustainable in that situation. But imagine if, you know, you use that battery and it got to the end of its life cycle. You know, in previous publications, I've talked about um, eventually as you use a lithium battery more and more, it starts to build up these little they call them dendrites, where the actual lithium metal within it uh, degrades and it doesn't hold a charge even remotely as well. Uh, there's actually a way that uh, one of the uh, companies we've been watching at Energy Investor, they found where you can recover 95% of the lithium. That was going to be my next question to you, is how much can you actually get? Because I would assume that you can't get 100% of it, but that actually really surprises me. Yeah, like uh, a crazy amount of it. And the process is kind of incredible. You know, they take... A bat, you know, just a battery, and not necessarily like an EV battery, but any type of lithium battery. You know, they're wrapped in plastic. They have different metals as a, a connector and stuff like yeah. that. They basically just throw it on a conveyor belt, shred the non-lithium components off, and then use their proprietary process to recover literally almost 100% of the important metals. And are they recovering it by like getting rid of those dendrites? Is that the idea? It, I think that's more, I don't think that, it doesn't necessarily, again, you know, that if I had my, my PhD in material science, I could probably tell you a little bit more, you know, deep down into the chemical structure. But I think that's more of like a physical problem rather than a chemical. I think the lithium inside it still maintains its you know, its sure. integrity as lithium. Do they, are they but melting it, just, it and then reforming it or? There it's a, uh, the process they kind of keep under wraps a little bit, but from what I gather, they're either using like a physical or a chemical process to shred, you know, the entire battery unit itself. And then they end up with what they call black mass, which is a term in the industry where you have the unrefined, unprocessed, unrecovered, I guess, uh, lithium metal you know, that ends up just as a pile of black dust, paste, you know, something like that. Um, and then it takes uh, a pretty ingenious chemical process. I've looked through it back when we were, you know, digging deep into this stuff. But, um, yeah, it takes a lot of uh, 
takes a lot of know-how, basically, and a lot of uh, a lot of patents to secure the the process that sure. you're going for, basically. And you've you've got another clever marketing term for the for this one, which I. You're, what for the for for the for the lithium for the lithium mining, right? Don't you have a don't you have a, a good a good one for this? Uh, you were calling it something. That's a good question. Oh, what infinite lithium? Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. yeah. I mean, that is it's, so it's not re- it's not really infinite because it's ninety five percent. But it's like right, the idea but, is that if you can just keep reusing it, right. then well, that's yeah. no, that's a good point. Yeah, sorry, I, did, I I was I was trying to think of something snappier, but yeah, yeah, I didn't frame um, the question very well. You're good. No, no, definitely, you're right though. That's definitely it's it's about as close to infinite lithium as as we could ever hope to get, you know, if, I mean, the amount of lithium we've produced, used, and then thrown away at this point is staggering. You know, it might, I, again, no one can tell how much lithium is sitting in a landfill. I have like three or four cell phones at home that are just, that, yeah, that are that just sitting there. Batteries, sure. And I and honestly, like, I never want to, there's like, if you go to like a uh, like Comcast or Verizon or whatever, they want you to recycle, recycle your, sure. Who yeah, they want, that? they want your free lithium. And I, right. I don't want to, I'm not going to give, <laughs> put my phone in there. That someone's going to like, yeah, I, 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 if anyone wants this lithium, it's going to be me, yeah. <laughs> but no, that's a, that's a, that's, that is definitely a, like, that's a, that's a good point to consider is that, if we had a way, if we had this technology ready to go, back when uh, lithium was first discovered as the you know the battery uh, wonder metal that it's purported as today, then we might not even ha- you know the li- lithium shortage might be a a non nonsensical statement you know. Do you see lithium ever being replaced or anytime soon being replaced? I see a lot of like you know kind of like uh, you know. This metal is going to replace lithium. I find those things. I can find those things difficult to believe sometimes because, uh, obviously, the, the industry is is very you know, seems very kind of set on using yeah. lithium. Hell, but hell is, there, on it is there anything sure. that that stands out in the metal space, um, or is it just is lithium the way to it's, go? Uh, again, if you follow any of the futurolo- any any type of energy publication or uh, you know basically any tech publication on Earth, you will encounter what I like to call the new battery of the week. Um, yeah. Which is is the the industry's propensity to finding like a you know University of North Carolina did a study you know what I mean these are sure. grad students that potentially maybe figured out a way twenty years from now yeah well you saw the fusion bad. did you see the fusion breakthrough it, yeah saw that yeah, which that's like good stuff but like that's not going to be viable for it's, for it's, years right and I, I it's it when when Keith uh, mentioned that to me I was thinking how milestone might be the most misleading word in all of science because that's what they, you know, yeah, they're calling with, it, yeah. with lithium batteries and with, you know, alternative energy, especially fusion. They like to say researchers achieved a once in a lifetime milestone, yeah. which, you know, is great and all. But if you actually, you know, to other scientists. I've, I've had a couple know, people like, like over the last week, reach out to me and they're like we got to do like a we got to do like a some kind of like promotional material around around on the, on the fusion. fusion and i'm like thing. i don't think that like there's any actual investment opportunity yeah. for fusion like, that we can don't let, don't that we could use. say that yeah no i think we were talking about it yesterday i think yeah. he knows that there's okay, he's yeah. he's well aware that there's no uh viable way to invest in this in, in anytime soon yeah, I think but he was, uh he pretty emphatically told me that yeah. as well the other day. I, I think some people like i guess they're like oh well it's an attention an attention grabber but it's like you know no, it definitely like, is and it's definitely not nothing don't let me don't don't, don't walk away and and say that that Luke told you it was nothing yeah. because it definitely is something, but it's you know we got some time. And when I mean when it's when it it does become a real thing, it's it's going to change a lot. Definitely. And uh, 
for sure. And when, when is the correct word? I don't think it's an if. I feel like it's, you know. Well, they're, I mean, the U.S. government now is like, they have like a 10-year plan or something. Like Mm -hmm. they want to actually like create like a reactor that's going to, you know, Mm -hmm. produce this. But then you basically need this like giant reactor as far as I understand it. And then you have to, it's not like that the energy has to transmit. So you're going to need a ton of superconductors to to, to move the energy around as well. So it's going to be a massive uh, undertaking before we are able to see anything that's remotely viable. Yeah, and I genuinely wish them all the best. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not not fully confident the government will be the one to to pull it off, but the national labs that the U.S. has are pretty top-notch, so yeah. they'll definitely be involved. Are we going to sure. beat China? Ooh, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. I think we will. They just copy us. That, no, exactly. Yeah, the kleptocracy. That's my... Uh, that's <laughs> I like that. That's cute. Yeah, I heard somebody say that the other day. And All right, what else you guys looking great. at? Quantum computing. We talked about a little bit about Spintronics last time, which I know you and I are kind of geeked out on that. Yeah, I, I don't want to like you know do that again necessarily. Yeah, now we don't have pe- to step we back can, on We can link to a video. Sarah, where do I point? That was my favorite from the. You remember those from the early YouTube days? Where you're just yeah. like, all right, you yeah. can click the next click video. Click the link here. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, what's going on with quantum? I, I, so I feel like. We had kind of like when we initially were looking at quantum computing, we were approaching it from this from the Spintronics realm, and we were we were looking at a couple of companies that had a lot of these this this specialty in Spintronics. Yeah. And then since then, we've seen a couple of companies that went public through SPACs, mm-hmm. like uh, IonQ and Rigetti, Love Love and but they like got wrecked with the. Uh, like they initially got destroyed, right? Yeah, they and opened they opened the door straight to the big tech sell off. Yes, that's been happening, and, and yeah. they crashed. And now no I guess their own. I guess the question is like, are those? It, to me, it, it reminds me almost of like Intel post dot com boom, or, or 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 like like you know around like two thousand when it's mm-hmm. like these companies got absolutely destroyed. Yeah, they're right. down like 90 percent, and you have a lot of investors who are scared and running for the hills. But yeah. in reality, this technology kind of like is the future. Definitely. Um, uh, I guess IonQ, Rigetti, do those stand out to you as good purchases right now or um, still high risk, obviously, in some in some regard? Oof. Uh, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find something in the, the emerging tech space that isn't necessarily high risk. But no, I'd have to say in terms of the, the two companies and not just the field itself, definitely rock-solid plays, for yeah. sure. For sure. Rigetti and, you know, again... Some people might watch this and then immediately go to Yahoo Finance and look at the the price movement and all that. That's not that's not the be all end all of these companies. You know that with a with an emerging science like this, a lot of times the price movement is for other reasons. You know what I mean? Sure, it's, it's people hyping up the stock, people hyping, or it's... people selling, people that five years ago thought it was going to make them money before the end of the decade. And yeah. now they decided, oh, I don't have time to wait for this. But I mean, we could do a podcast every other day with the new discoveries that have come out of the quantum computing field. Didn't they just like, I, they I, did. I, there's a I headline. I don't know what you're going to say, yeah, but they, they did, did but, just yeah, they do did something it. cool. So, but that's, that's the thing with quantum is I, I keep think, seeing these, like, again, like these milestones or these breakthroughs. Sure. And I'm like, is that really that meaningful? Like I saw the, the big one that I've seen this week was that they, uh, they made a holographic wormhole, oh, and I'm like, man, "What the fuck is stuff. a holographic? Like, like you're, you're. I feel like they're hedging. Did, did they actually make a wormhole, or did they just like project? Did they just like do a computer simulation of a wormhole? The second one, unfortunately. Yeah, that's and, and again, that's you know, I wrote an article about this recently about how 
sometimes you know these science writers they just get a little excited and they you know <laughs> yeah well it, it gets <laughs> clicks i get it but uh, you yeah, know of course and people love to read about the you know the future is now man yeah. type stuff but um and that's one thing i'm never so, going to pretend like i understand is the qu- the quantum stuff the, and and honestly that's it's the hallmark of quantum computing is right that's, was it alan is, was it alan like watts an, alan watts uh, said if you think you richard feynman with richard the, feynman yeah, not alan the, watts yeah, yeah. The, alan watts is, but yeah 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 the, the father of quantum computing was just like yeah you don't know what the hell you're talking about and neither do i yeah. basically well yeah his what was the quote the quote was if you think you understand quantum mechanics then you don't understand sure. quantum mechanics right. exactly and i think uh for sure because which it's just, which means no matter what you just don't understand quantum mechanics no and that means i certainly don't yeah. And, I'll, you know, again, doing my best here to relay. Well, this is something that I've always said about investing in, in certain technologies is that you don't need to understand. I think a good analogy is you don't need to understand how a, tr- how a transistor works or a computer chip works to know that it is a good investment. As long as you know that it is necessary for the proliferation of a wa- like a, a, a larger te- technological trend. Definitely. So well said, that's, that's the way that sure. I see it. No, and that's, that's definitely what. You know, that's it's the name of the game in quantum computing. Like, we all know the potential. People have been, you know, claiming yeah. it's going to be the new standard for a decade now. But honestly, I think it will be. Honestly. Um, there are, like I we were talking about the other day, it's not, it's not the magic bullet for everything. You know, it's not the be-all, end-all. It's not going to – every single computer isn't going to get thrown away and replaced with a, you know, no. the giant, you know, orange chandeliers yeah. that people might have seen. Yeah, well, um, you're not going to – no one's going to have a pocket quantum computer. No. Like, it's exactly. kind of pointless. You don't need it. And if they – if we do develop quantum, quantum computers, you would eventually just have it where, like, they're doing the calculations and you're, like, connecting to it sure. on the cloud yeah, or something, right? Right, right. Um, well, and of course, you know – it's I think people there's a misconception that it's just like like you hear the um, a really common turn of phrase with quantum computing is in relations to crypto, um, you know, blockchain technology, the whole security. That it's going it to crack the code is. And... Well, yeah. Well, the whole that's the whole point of all all data encryption is not to essentially make something uncrackable. It's to make something so difficult to crack that even the best computer that we have today would take something absurd like billions of years yep. you know to just brute force break through it um quantum computers could essentially do it in minutes and that's the you know that's the big difference is they just instead of ones and year, zeros they have so many more variables to work with that they can just burn through so much more data um and essentially arrive at whatever hash value will crack blockchain so that is not good for the we're gonna future be, of finances for sure yeah we're gonna get totally screwed if if china china figures out how to de-encrypt before before we do right definitely or if we figure it out and they have a fly on the wall mm. and they... yeah. <laughs> but hopefully we get there first all right luke it's good talking to you today been a blast man as always let's go bring these drinks downstairs and uh start the holiday sounds beautiful happy holidays friends 